Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Stuttering sp- Springboard. Today, and Brian had the opportunity to interview a, dy- a, dy- a, dy- a dynamic young entrepreneur with an in- incredibly bright future and outlook. His promise to himself is to be uh, authentic and to not allow his and stuttering to stop him from doing anything that he would do if he didn't stutter. Ryan's perspective represents exactly what the Nolan Stuttering Foundation stands for. His grit, courage, and optimism are contagious. He's he's currently involved in mergers in acquisitions work and has his, his, his sights on, on starting his own, own business in the in, in near in future. These are some of the phrases he, he surrounds himself with on a whiteboard in his office. Each day he comes only once and make uh, the most of it. He practices calmness forward the movement is better than perfection take ownership and be be radically accountable a bias and towards action I think independently act confidently be self-disciplined and last but not least breathe so take a listen and get inspired thank you Jack welcome to the Stuttering Springboard my name is Brian Nolan the Stuttering Springboard podcast is really geared towards uh, helping younger people understand how to spring to the next level. We do this by talking with people who are either in the midst of doing that or, or have done that. And today I've, I've got a, a gentleman that um, I think represents everything about why I started the Noel Stuttering Foundation. His name is Ryan Horak. Ryan is a um, graduate of DePaul University in uh, Indiana. Uh, where he graduated summa cum laude. Holy cow. I don't even, I don't even know anybody who graduated summa cum laude, <laughs> but now I do. Uh, he currently works for Destination Pet, which uh, gets he gets involved in mergers and acquisitions um, and values businesses and uh, growth strategies all around this whole pet industry, which we'll talk more about. Formerly, he worked for Shore, uh, where he was a corporate strategy analyst, again, getting involved in uh, analysts for multi-billion dollar businesses. And he did a lot of strategic planning, which is one of my my favorite areas. He is an avid bike biker, b- backpacking, dog training, NFL salary cap. I'm really interested to get into that a little bit. Music, curation, kayaking, pickleball, and drone, drone photography. 
I don't know how he has time for all of this and continues to excel. Uh, Ryan, by the way, is also a person who stutters. Uh, as a young man, it's clear it hasn't stopped him from anything. And that's why I love talking to Ryan Horak. Ryan, welcome to the Stuttering Springboard. Uh, thank you for the really nice introduction, Brian. It's great to be here, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk with you and your listeners. Well, um, there, are, there are a lot of listeners that may be thinking to themselves, I can't, I can't do certain things because I stutter. Um, when I met you a few weeks back, it, it was clear to me that stuttering was just, oh, by the way, something that's part of you. But your achievements for a young man are incredible. Um, when when did you become so motivated to achieve? Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words. And um, I do think that this is kind of one of those situations in which both nurture and nature play their parts. Um, I honestly think that I was born with a pretty intense internal motor um, and a bit of a predisposition to probably obs obsess about things more than I should, both good and bad. But I think that I found ways to kind of use these, these uh, character traits to my advantage by being able to apply them to productive channels and mediums like school, exercise, work, self-care. Um, but then there's also that other side of the coin, which is nature. And I grew up in a family with a lot of really high achievers. My parents and my grandparents have always been really strong influences in my life. And they're all very driven, high achieving people who really derive a lot of fulfillment from the process of just working hard and achieving goals. Um, and I think that I was really drawn to these values and habits that my parents and my grandparents modeled from a very young age and just chose to really internalize those um, uh, in terms of just how that I choose to live my my life. But uh, You know, I, I... I have a similar gene, like uh, um, a lot of us Nolans do, I think, is, is that we're right. just high achievers and it, it's it's less about money than it is achieving. Do you that too? You're sh yeah, you're shaking your head, yes. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, some people are motivated by money. Other people are motivated by just purpose and being something and and, and fulfilling what, what you're meant to be. Do you have some mix of both? Where do you fall into that cat that category? Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting question. And I'm sure there's some listen neuroscientists and some social scientists that could chime in and, and give some really good answers. But I've always thought about it in terms of I think money is obviously in, important. We we need that to sustain the types of, of lifestyles that we want, but I think we often need less than we think. And after a point that is, it's just all, almost points in the broader game of life. Um, but for me, I think I get bored when I don't have goals or when I don't have things to do or when I don't have like some North stars that I'm, that I'm pointing towards. 
Um, and so for me, um, I think it's just about really finding joy and fulfillment in not only like getting to that end goal, but the the uh, process of getting from point A to point Z, because I don't really know what else I would do um, if I wasn't spending my time just like working towards things that I care about and that I value. You you uh, strike me as a person that doesn't spend a lot of time on the couch. Uh, so even on the weekends, I'm guessing you've you've got a list of things to do. Is that is that you? Yes. Yeah. So um, I I really do my best to spend Friday Friday nights either with with uh, friends or my girlfriend or on my own relaxing. Um, and then I do my best to, to spend a lot of the day Saturday that way also. But um, I would say that the bulk of my day on Sundays and even most Saturday mornings um, are spent either working towards my more long-term professional aspirations or getting stuff off the to, to do, do list or a lot of the things that I like to do in my free time I uh, think that I like to do because that they feel good and they also push me forward um, towards the type of life that I would want to live and any goals that I have so that could be be things like like uh, practicing mindfulness going to the gym playing sports with friends spending time out outside in nature because so I think that that balance is really Im important not only like to have a fulfilled well well-rounded lifestyle um but i do really view that time as um re re regenerative to get back to whatever that i'm pushing towards and then let me pick up on on something you said there practice mindfulness what what does that mean to you yeah, yeah. Well, um, I was actually just listening to your podcast episode with um, one of my favorite people and longtime speech pathologist, Kristen Camella, where she really just discussed the merits of mindfulness for anybody, but especially people who uh, stutter. Um, and so for me, that traditionally looks like uh, breath work, like so doing doing different uh, drills there but um a lot of it's also just like either on walks or when I'm outside or just even laying in bed just picking either thoughts or sounds or feelings um or sights to just be fully present on um and I mean as 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 Krista mentioned and if for everybody listening if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to that episode back please uh please go back and uh do so because i i think it can be a really transformative practice from a speech standpoint but from an overall quality of life standpoint as well sweet i'm gonna go just a little off script uh that i this this topic of mindfulness um has become pretty important to me as i as i reflect on my youth and growing up. And um, I think what I referred to in the podcast with Kristen, the moment of truth, 
uh, when you're a person who stutters and you've and you've moment of truth where you've got to order something, you've got to give a presentation, you've got to talk, and uh, you're not sure if it's going to go well. Do you? What do you think about at the moment of truth, where you have anxiety about talking, or do you not have anxiety about a presentation you're going to give? Let's say you're going to give a presentation about a merger and you're, you're presenting in front of a client. What goes through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I do think this is one of those things where practice and preparation really are virtues. Because I think that if you asked me this even last year or five years ago or 10 years ago, it would have been a bigger deal than it is today. And it would have required more preparation than it does today. Um, I don't think that it's anything that really phases me or or that I think about anymore today, but that isn't because that isn't um, something that presents difficulty sometimes. It's because I've spent all these years doing the work and putting in the reps so that these types of speaking situations um, don't produce, I guess to, to use a neurobiological term, that same level of autonomic arousal or that everybody who is, who stutters that is listening to this podcast, like that's that, that feeling that when you get called on in a class or when it's your turn to give the speech and you feel, you know, you start to feel anxious, start to feel sweaty, um, over time doing really really systematic work towards desensitizing myself to those types of situations, they've just become less and less and less of a big deal. Um, and I definitely foresee, you know, every time that I go through situations like that, that they'll only get easier. You're, you're so much more advanced than me in your thinking. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I wish, you know, I mean, the last 45 seconds of what you just said resonate so much, but I'm, I'm, I'm more than a few decades older than you. Um, when you use the word, uh, put in the reps, uh, desensitize, the, the only way out is through it. And a lot of us who stutter uh, at younger ages did not put it in the reps. Instead, we, we hid. We, we did not, last thing we wanted to do was talk and be found out. And um, I just finished uh, doing a whole book study on Ryan Holiday's book called The Obstacle is the Way. I don't know if you if you know that book, but if you don't, make that a short on your short list. Uh, the, one of the greatest quotes at the start is by Marcus Aurelius, the, um, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes a way. And uh, for a person who stutters, the only way is through it. And uh, you are how old? 26? Yep. Yeah. The fact that you've discovered that at your age is is phenomenal. So I I just I I just applaud you uh, for that. Now, was there a time though when you wondered if stuttering was going to stop you from great great professional achievement? Do you do you still wonder? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really fair question to ask. Um, I think that once I started to think a lot more seriously about my career and what that might look like, kind of at that late high school, early college time, 
I definitely did have the realization that some jobs and some paths might be more difficult than others. Um, but I never thought that it was going to be something that would stop me from having success, uh, success either professionally or personally. There were obviously days um, where those thoughts might be a bit louder than than others, but I think those days were definitely the minority of, of, of times. Um, one mantra that I've always adopted in the context of my speech is that I've always wanted to do everything that I would have otherwise done if I didn't stutter. And, and so be, because of that, I've never really wanted to let stuttering be a factor in my decision-making process, whether it's in the professional sense or in the uh, personal sense. Um, to, to reference Kristen Camella again, one analogy that she introduced to me at a very young age is the concept of walking the dog. Um, either the dog's walking you or you're walking the dog. And in this case, the dog isn't a dog. The, the dog is the concept of, of stuttering. Um, mm. And the thought process with that analogy is that everything we do, we're either moving forwards or we're moving backwards in terms of our ownership of our speech. And so when we don't do things because of our speech, that dog, um, he gets more power over us. But every time that we do things um, despite of our speech or that we persevere through whatever communication obstacle might be in our way, we move past it. And I'm a big believer in, in compounding in compounding habits. So I think that every time that we move towards wherever we want to go, that next step always becomes easier because of everything um, that we've done that we're able to build on. So that's the answer in terms of the past, but in terms of the future, I do have thoughts about future situations that may require more preparation from a communication standpoint. However, I don't really think about these situations in terms of stopping me, but rather what degree of preparation and work will it take to accomplish whatever is in front of me. Um, and I like to kind of categorize this mindset um, as a form of what I like to call pragmatic optimism. So I'm very pragmatic. I'm very realistic about where obstacles may arise, but I'm very optimistic in that I'll always be resilient and competent enough to overcome any potential obstacles in the pursuit of whatever that the goal is, you know, no matter how big or small. Where'd you learn that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Um, as, as I, as I, I said, um, I've, I've gotten a lot of really good direction in my life from Kristen, from Kristen Camella. Um, and I think I've just also spent a lot of time thinking a lot of time journaling. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, but what does journaling look like to you? Cause I, I, I coach around journaling to get things out of your mind and on, on paper. Yeah, so I think that I've always had a really natural orient, orient, 
education to process to process to driven thinking and so for me i don't really have like a routine like like some people may um may write about or think about these same pub prompts every day but for me it's really whenever that i can tell that um i have something that's pretty per per pervasively on my mind i will pull um from that process driven orientation and i'll put to put together prompts just to think through whatever's on my mind or if there's really big life decisions like do i take this job do i go down that path do i go down this path do i ask this girl out um so anything that really comes up i've just found being able to put thoughts down on down on paper really helps me um process them and think about them in a way that's just much more efficient and much more e effective than if they were just stuck in my own mind you know it when you put it down on paper you're um you get some distance from it and you could look at it clearly you know you you've mentioned preparation a couple times um i'll, I'll just sort of uh pile on to that i have a i have a phrase it's um uh, over prepare and under manage uh so i and it, it does go back to putting it in the reps uh when you're prepared for something um then you can manage any situation and you and you have a lot of ways to pivot in conversations and presentations uh for me personally if i go into a negotiation uh or a business meeting um and i'm I'm unprepared. I am going to not do well. So I say that to myself, which is bad self-talk. So I don't. If I go in and I know my stuff, I I visualize success, and uh, it typically happens when I see it first. Do you do you use visualization at all? Do you visualize? Yeah, yeah. Um, I for sure do practice visualization exercises. I think that a lot of the time it's just a bit more subconscious than it actually is. All right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to visualize whatever um, whatever outcome that I want. But I think that it goes back a bit to what I mentioned about, or what I mentioned at the start of the podcast in terms of just um, a predisposition to being a little obs obsessive. And so I'm just always thinking about um, whatever is most top of mind or whatever is the most on my plate. And I think that um, in in a combination with mindfulness practice helps steer me towards those more positive thought processes versus the visualizing what can go wrong, um, but rather visualizing either what it will take to 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 be successful or what it will look like to be successful i'm gonna go off uh, script again because you're <laughs> you're you're intriguing me in, in so many areas hope hope you don't mind um you you seem to uh stutter very well in other words you um uh we talk about not having a goal of 100 percent fluency but just stutter better um which is to you know fo follow through with it and all where and I, 
where did you learn that? Like, uh, I think about speech therapy that I had as a kid and it was all on fluency. Um, yet you've, you've got this natural cadence. Where did you learn how to stutter well? Yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm going to always give a large portion of the credit to Kristen and Pamela. Um, but I do really distinctly remember, this is probably late college, middle of college, where I don't know why, I just always have this thought that when I'm out of college, I just won't stutter. And it wasn't like an actual rational thought, but it, it just it just always felt like, okay, after after that I'm done with like school, I'm gonna also be be done with sus with stuttering. And then I think one day I woke up and I was like, damn, that's not the case. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to live with this thing for a while. And I think after that moment, it became a lot less focus on on fluency and a lot more focus on how can I make this as easy as I can for myself. And that's something that I talk a lot about now. Um, I still, you know, uh, see a speech pathologist on a weekly basis. And that's always one thing we check in about. And we refer to it as just the, the overall attention level, because as you mentioned, the goal for most people who stutter isn't perfect fluency. And in my non, non-speech pathologist opinion, although I, I think any speech pathologist who knows what they're doing when it comes to, to stuttering would concur, I don't, I don't think that that, sh- that should be the goal. Um, so I think I've done a lot around figuring out kind of like what strategies and what preparation techniques lend themselves the best to just that easy forward movement. And it isn't about not stuttering, it's about easy forward movement and um, feeling good as a communicator. Yeah, I'm I'm so impressed. And uh, as I've, I've said in past podcasts, um, I'm still dealing with, with that personally. Um, even though I have a lot of fluency, I, I still have a mindset that fluency um, is a goal. That's a mindset that I'm not proud of. Uh, it just it's it's a mindset that I've had my entire life that I'm I'm trying to um, get out of actually. Uh, so I I'll I'll switch words on a dime. I mean I'm the best at switching words. I can see a stutter coming a mile away, Ryan, and it's 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 not the authentic self mm-hmm. and so when i'm when i'm talking to you i i just just have this uh, great feeling of talking to an authentic person uh who's so comfortable in his skin at a young age um so great job i i appreciate that thank you and i i think the only other thing that i'll add is um i don't want to seem disingenuous in terms of would I prefer to be perfectly fluent? Yes. Um, but is that the goal? No. Um, and so I think that I want to make that like one dis- distinction that I think that I am somebody who's very 
comfortable with it. And I do say every word that I would otherwise want to, to, to say. That doesn't mean that it's always easy or it's always ideal. And um, it can be more difficult to stutter in, in, in certain situations than others. Um, so I guess I just want for anybody who might be listening to kind of understand that dis distinction and that element of humanity with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a fair distinction. Um, let's talk about when you uh, interviewed for your current position and uh, sort of, you know, you moved from Chicago to Charlotte. Um, did you have the job before you moved? Yeah, so when I when I moved to Charlotte, I actually stayed with my current job at the time, which was working in corporate strategy at Sure. And I was able to move to more of a remote work schedule where there was also some to travel involved. Um, and then I've been down here for about eight months um, before that I started interviewing um, for a new role. And then when you interviewed, uh, did you did you disclose your stutter? Yeah, yeah. So um, my rule of, of thumb in the uh, professional world has always been to default to disclosing my, my speech, um, whether it be before an in, in interview or before a big presentation, but generally always, whenever that I'm meeting somebody new, um, I always like to disclose close my my stutter and I do it for me just so that um all of the cards are on the the table and I can have that freedom just to talk versus wondering what the other person might be thinking and I also do it for for the other person and so mm -hmm. we can just get the like the sus the the sus tuttering elephant out of the room um and just focus on whatever the task is but in the context of an interview i actually really do view this this closing speech as a bit of an asymmetric advantage over people who don't stutter because i think when the disclosure process is done well it can a demonstrate a lot of confidence in in oneself and then b just the inherent vulnerability of disclosing a stutter can really help you connect with the interviewer on a level that i think actually might be more difficult for for other people who don't stutter um so i actually really view it as in advantage to dis 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 low stuttering and I have my my like go to two two three sentences that I pull out at the start of any interview or any meeting or any anything like that. That's powerful. As a person uh, myself who who has interviewed a lot of candidates, we we are spending the hour or so desperately trying to understand the true person that we're interviewing. I've always said, you know, to my team, be careful. Anybody can fool anybody for an hour or so. And so what 
when you disclose, you show vulnerability. Vulnerability shows the authentic self. And now we can we can understand each other. So that's that's pretty powerful. Um I I never did disclose. I disclose it now, but I never did disclose early on. And I, I can remember one interview in particular that was a nightmare. And I left there and I was sweating. And um, but then I, I remember other ones that, that generally went well because I would would prepare so well. But I, I wish I had uh, um, the, the courage really um, to disclose. And I highly highly recommend that as a practice. Um, let's go back to when uh, you were a little younger. You were a mentor, uh, I guess, at the Camilla uh, Communication Center. What did that entail? Yeah, so that was something that I got in, involved in during high school and a bit of kind of college. And it really en en entailed um, meeting meeting with this group of middle school and elementary school age age boys. And we um, we played sports, we played board games, and the overall theme while doing those activities was just always to talking about speech or modeling speech. Um, and I think just making it a bit more normal for, for them to stutter and to be able mm -hmm. to see somebody older than, than them who um, does, does stutter and is, and is doing okay. Do, do you still keep in touch with any of those kids? I actually don't. It would it would it would be much it would be much cooler if I said that I do, but <laughs> I don't. And if um and if any of them are listening, I I for sure hope that they're all doing well. Well, I I think you can um, I mean they can listen to you and be inspired to where you are and to your life. But let's talk a little bit about your your professional goals. So I have a understanding that you want to start your business, your own business someday. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So the thought of owning and operating a uh, business has really a a appealed to me for a long time. Um, I've always been somebody that's had a very natural orient orientation towards leadership and towards helping people. And so the thought of kind of being able to lead and empower a, a team of M employees has always really a, a feel to, to me the same way that playing quarterback on the football team um, did as a kid and just being able to, to, to create that culture. Um, but I've also always been a very into into independent person. So being able to have the opportunity to really take ownership um, of my time, my schedule, and my outcome, and just really make decisions that have big impacts um, has also been something that has really a field to 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 me so 
for the past few years, I've been really looking at various opportunities across the small business space. And I've been looking for something that is at that intersection of really strong underlying business fundamentals, but, but also being something that I'm interested in. And I think that I would enjoy really to diving into. And so earlier this, this year, um, I really put, uh, put that that flag in in the 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 ground, or I'm not sure how how that saying goes exactly. But the point being that I decided um, that I wanted to per pursue the pet services space. So uh, so veteran veterinarian clinics and then dog boarding and daycare facilities. Um, and so that's been my goal now for about the, the, the past half year is to either start or buy my, my own pets center and then go from there. You know, I, I, I thought he recently, uh, because I read an article about, um, a really good business to to start would be anything involving pets, and because people spend so much money on their pets, maybe it came from COVID or even before, but now particularly it seems so high. I mean, I there's a there's a pet place near us that we bring our dog to get to get bathed, and you you pay money and you go into a little pet bath, and and everybody's spending money on their pets. So I think it's a pretty good area to get yourself into. You you have so many hobbies here. I mean, well, first let me ask you: Did did you really go to Japan and do 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 you speak Japanese? <laughs> um. Yes. Yes to the first. No to the the second. So yes. Um. When when I went to to school at DePaul, DePaul does something called a J, J term or a January term, and so. Basically, there's this five-week period between the fall semester and the spring semester where, where students have opportunities to either take a course on campus or do an internship or go such go travel. And so the school was sponsoring a trip to Japan. Um, and the focus of that trip was this better understanding Japanese culture, business practices, and um, how that, that they think about the technology space. And so was very fortunate to, to spend about one month over there and spend about a week living with a, a host family in very rural Japan and then spent some weeks bouncing around various uni, uni, universities and businesses in Japan. And at the at the time, Brian, I could I could say maybe 10, 15, 15 words in in Japanese, which all all mostly centered around asking either where the 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 bathroom was or where where that I can get good 
pushy. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I think I can, I can only speak maybe one phrase now. That's pretty awesome. Tell, tell me what, what this NFL salary cap interest is. Do you, do you track that as a hobby? I've never seen that before listed as a hobby, so I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. So these days, um, I'm not as intimately in 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 involved in that. But actually, during college, um, I put to I put together my my own class um, that I was was able to get a by the 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 school for school credit and that focused on the various intricacies of the nfl's collective bargaining agreement Mm. and then all of the the different mechanisms related to the the salary cap um and i thought it was interesting just understanding how the business end of things influences what goes uh what happens on on the the field and so it was a cool intersection between law economics um and 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 sports nice you um so you were raised you said by um high achieving parents and uh I want to ask you because I I like I know there are parents listening to this podcast. How much did you talk about your your stutter um, as a younger boy with your parents? First question. Question number two is: What do you want to say to parents about um, helping uh, a parent who who is you know discovering that their young child stutters? What do you want to say to them about how they can help um, in some way. So first, go back to how how much you, you guys talked about it. Yeah, well, to answer your first question, it was um, it was interesting reading reading through the the interview questions you sent over because that one definitely caught my eye. Um, I always felt very very supported. By my parents and in in everything, but my speech especially. But reflecting on this question, I actually don't think we talked about my speech very often. Um, and I think that part of that was just because things were largely going well, and 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 so there wasn't a lot to talk about. Um, but I also think that it speaks a little more deeply to just maybe at that time, I wasn't very comfortable talking about my speech, either with my uh, parents or with my uh, friends. Um, but I think that that is a good segue into answering the second part of your question, um, which is that I have found part particularly in the past probably five years as I've become a lot more open, just kind of uh, casually mentioning or talking about my speech. I think that whatever is more mentionable becomes more manageable. And I'll repeat that. Whatever is more mentionable Hmm. becomes more manageable. 
And so, as I mentioned, I didn't really mention or I didn't really talk about my speech all that much up until the last five five years. And I think at the time, I probably would have chalked it up to why would I if if things are largely going well. But um, I've really noticed a big difference in just how that I react to the overall concept of of stuttering after that I've become more open talking of about it with with other people and so I think that that's probably a good um I guess a good a, a good I, idea for parents is just that understanding even if things are are going well um it can be good to still talk about and those conversations don't have to be these really big emotionally charged deals. They can be more matter of of uh, fact or nonchalant. But um, I think two other things that I would mention that I had thought about in terms of what maybe parents could could do to uh, help help support their kids. And I do think I should m m mention I'm I'm obviously not a a, a speech pathologist. These are all things that I've just come across in my my own journey with with stuttering. And as we all know, stuttering is a very individualistic condition. So what works for me might not work for Brian, and it might not work for your kid. Um, but two things that I think I would also mention first is just getting educated on stuttering, mm. you know, actually, actually learn about it as if, as if there's a, a, a test you have to take, but outside of like, outside of understanding the mechanics of it, um, I would challenge parents to really understand their own feelings and their own thoughts that they have a round, a, a round, sus, a round stuttering because they can't really be, they can't really be present and all the way there with their kids if they're still going through their own internal to turmoil about what having a kid that's that's stutters might mean for them, or even what it feels like for them when when they hear somebody who stutters go through a big block or any anything like that. And I think that that brings me to my third point, which is really making sure that everything you're doing is about your kids. And so that's why that I mentioned going through and doing that work on your, yourself. So you really have that capacity to focus on everything your kid can do, not things your kid mm. can't do. Mm. Um, focus on what's, what's, special about them, what unique abilities they have and what that they need from you as their parent to um, live the type of life that they want, not the type of life you want for them. Well, you just said some really great stuff. I, I want to uh, put an exclamation on a couple points. Um, focus on what was left in, not left out. If, if you focus on the, the disorder, 
and what we what was left out that a child is is going to think of themselves as what they don't have and and that's and that's a negative energy and a negative spiral um so i, I think that point is really really well said the other thing you said is that um everybody everybody stutters differently it's the um individuality of stuttering so we all have a different way of stuttering but we all experience similar things we all experience that look that we get when we can't you know we get a block and someone's going you okay uh but yet we all stutter differently and so i, I because because it's neurological um we all and we all have complex brains um so two really good points for uh parents listening here um I want to I want to sort of wrap up by asking you um, about if there's a young person listening here, what do you want to say to um, even the younger Ryan when you were you were having doubts about about your your future? Kids who are thinking about holding back from I, I use this term going for it. And you know what I mean by that. Going for it. It is that it is it is that prize. It is the best version of what you can be and not stopping. What do you want to say to them who, who are who are letting stuttering stop them from going for it? Yeah, yeah, no. Um there's a lot that I I could say, and I think I have three distinct thoughts that come to mind for this. Um, so I'm going to go go through those points one by one. The first would be, it, it will start on a, on a bit of an ominous note, but I think that people will understand where that I'm, I'm, I'm hitting at by the end. And that's just to really embrace your own more, 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 and what that I mean by that is that life is very is 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 very short. Um, at the end of the day, we really only get every day once. We really only get one cut at every day at at our our lives. So, I just think it'd be a damn shame to not make the most of every day that that we have just because we produce verbal we produce verbal sound a bit differently than the average person so i think that would be my first point just like understand the bigger picture of it all no, but it. then these these second point is that every day is is filled Every day is basically just the the sum of a lot of small decisions, and in each of those decision points, you either have the 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 choice to move move forward or to move backwards. Um, and so I really think about that with, with every, every, everything that I do, like, will this take, take me forwards or will this, will this take me backwards? Um, 
And then the third is I really view stuttering as an ex excuse to really be the best version of yourself possible. Um, Cause I have found for me, stuttering can really be this like virtuous cycle that when I'm feeling good overall in life, when I have really strong habits, when I have a really, a really healthy mind and body and I'm feeling very, very, very confident because of all those actions, I see really tangible outputs in the quality of my speech. And so when I'm feeling good, I also tend to be speaking well. Um, however, I also notice the opposite of that when I'm not um, when I'm not practicing healthy habits or when I'm not feeling the best, um, then my speech also tends to be a bit more tense and a bit more difficult. So it can be this either virtuous cycle or this touch treacherous cycle. And the good news is that I think that it's very much up to us in, in terms of just really living that best version of our, ourselves and then in turn kind of seeing those tangible outputs and benefits from a fluency standpoint. Oh, I love it. So, I mean, I take care of your whole self with, with sleep, exercise, diet, working out, right. Feel, feel good about yourself, uh, physical self. And, um, and then be a, be a person who happens to stutter, not a stutterer. Uh, yeah. Don't, you know, it's a person who has a stutter, but not a person, but not a stutterer. Uh, where you define yourself as a stutterer and uh, when you define yourself by other things in life and you'll find out that a person who stutters actually has a lot more empathy. Um, I, I feel like I, I have a lot more antennas and senses out there. Um, so what, what you learn over, over time is what, what God took away. He puts in, in many other respects and uh, you, you stop resenting your stutter. When you resent your stutter, it just stinks. It just stinks when, when uh, it's there, but it doesn't stop you from saying what you want to say. Um, Brian, that was awesome. Uh, you're an inspiration. As I said, my, my team wants to help you launch your business. And uh, I, I know you talked with Sydney last week she she spoke uh super highly of of you and your process um so you'll reach out to us and we'll give you a head start to be sure um thank you so much for your time today this uh podcast will be um released in two weeks or early november awesome i will i i really appreciate the opera operas opportunity to, to be here this is this has been a really good experience and um for sure look 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 forward to staying in touch on all things speech and all things business so until then continue to be bold continue to be brave thanks ryan thank you nolan stuttering foundations or nsf's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves.
We do this through programming design to help them share and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenge they experience. NSF helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.